Our scripture reading this afternoon comes to us again from the Gospel according to Luke. We'll again continue in our study of Luke, Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, we'll read from verse 10 through the end. Luke chapter 13, beginning at verse 10. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no way raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation, because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath. And he said to the crowd, There are six days on which men ought to work. Therefore come and be healed on them, and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath loose his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for eighteen years? Be loose from this bond on the Sabbath. And when he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. And all the multitude rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. And then he said, What is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and put in his garden. And it grew and became a large tree. And the birds of the air nested in its branches. And again he said, To what shall I liken the kingdom of God? It is like leaven, which a woman took, and hid in three measures of meal, till it was all leavened. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up and shut the door, and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, We ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves are thrust out. They will come from the east and from the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. On that very day, some Pharisees came, saying to him, Get out and depart from here. For Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless, I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. See, 
Your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As far as scripture reading this afternoon, your congregation, our focus this afternoon will be on verses 31 through 33 of Luke chapter 13. And we can read there on the very on that very day some Pharisees came saying to him, Get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Nevertheless I must journey today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. On October, in October of 1945, there was a man by the name of Desmond Doss who received a Medal of Honor from the President of the United States and for his determination to save wounded soldiers. And on the citation, it read this, Through his outstanding bravery and unflinching determination, in the face of desperately dangerous conditions, Private first-class DOS saved the lives of many soldiers. And so you might ask, well, what did he do? Well, in the Second World War, they were fighting in Okinawa against the Japanese. And his division and a number of others were to fight and go up a 400-foot-high escarpment, also known as Hacksaw Ridge. It was a very dangerous place where they were faced with a lot of enemy fire and The intense fighting there wounded about 75 soldiers of his division and drove the rest of them back down. And those 75 people remained laying on top of that ridge in open view of the enemy and lying there to die. They couldn't leave. But Desmond was a medic. He had refused to carry a gun when he entered the army because he believed that as a Christian he was not supposed to kill. And as a medic, he also refused to leave the dead and wounded lying there on that hill. And so single-handedly, he tended to all 75 of these men, carried them to the cliff, and lowered them down on the rope one by one. Now Christ is the divine medic who showed an unflinching determination to save his people from eternal death. He faced enemy assaults with no cover, no protection. He refused to carry weapons to fight back, even though he had the armies of heaven to defend him. And the difference was that although Desmond knew he was risking his life, the Lord Jesus Christ came, he knew, and he knew that he would lay down his life to save his people. Desmond did not stop until all the soldiers were off that cliff. Christ did not stop until he accomplished that work of salvation. And then he received the highest honor, being enthroned in heaven at the right hand of God. And he did not stop until he could pour out the Holy Spirit, as we heard about this morning, to to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, to gather in his church and to save sinners. And he will not stop until every last one of his people determined from eternity are saved, brought in 
out of this battlefield of the world, brought into his fold, into his kingdom to safety. And that determination of Christ was already shown earlier on in the, in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 9, verse 51, where it says that when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. He set his face as a rock, as a flint, with full determination to go to Jerusalem, to die on the cross, and to save his people. And that is our theme for this morning, Christ's determination from these three verses. And we'll just have two points this, this, sorry, this afternoon, two points, to deliver sinners, and secondly, to finish his Father's work. So first we see Christ's determination to save sinners despite the opposition. Christ, you could say, was working in, in desperately dangerous conditions, just like Desmond was, even under the enemy fire. In verse 31 of our text says, On that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, Get out and depart, for Herod wants to kill you. And so we had opposition from the Pharisees, the religious rulers of the Jews. They fiercely op opposed Christ and his teachings. Even though they were the religious leaders, they were ignorant of who Christ was. So the U.S. Army at the beginning didn't know what to do with Desmond, a soldier who didn't want to carry a gun. But he said, guns only kill, I come to help. But the Pharisees wanted to use weapons of the law to save themselves and drive out sin. But they didn't realize that they needed Jesus Christ, a divine medic who would come to carry them off the battlefield and to save them by His grace. And so here these Pharisees used fear, tax, fear tactics to try to deter Christ from teaching in Jerusalem. And they reported to Him that, Roman, that Herod, who was a Roman tetrarch of Galilee, wanted to kill Him. And so pretending to have his welfare in mind, they said, you don't go there because they want to kill you. But the real reason was they wanted Christ out of the picture and out of the way. But he also faced enemies from the rulers themselves. Herod Antipas was the, was the leader there, the Roman tetrarch in Galilee. But then you can also remember Herod the Great, who was his father, who had killed all the young people, two years and under, in that location, trying to kill the Lord Jesus after he was born. And at that time, Mary and Joseph had to flee to Egypt to get out of the danger. But he also faced the opposition from his own people. And this soldier, Desmond, he was also mocked and despised by the soldiers of his own, uh, his own army. They mocked him for his beliefs, his Christian beliefs, and for, the, and for the very fact he did not want to carry a gun. But Luke also records that the crowds of people wanted to push Jesus off the cliff. They wanted to kill him a number of different times. But Jesus came to reveal himself as that divine medic who Isaiah prophesied about. And Luke 4 verse 18 says, when Jesus read the scroll, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. He had the Spirit on him, the same Spirit that he poured out on Pentecost that we heard about. But they rejected him. He came to his own, John said, 
and his own received him not. Behind all this, you know, is the enemy, Satan, who also opposes him. He tried to defeat Christ in the wilderness temptations because he is the father of lie, the instigator of all opposition in this world. And he was trying to do everything in his power to prevent Christ from finishing the work that he came to do to save sinners. And the question that we need to ask ourselves and to say, even as the, the, the Jews did this morning, do we see our need for this divine medic to be carried out because we have been more mortally wounded by sin? Have we learned that our own weapons are, are of no use to us in this battle? We cannot make ourselves acceptable before God. The Pharisee thought they could obey the law and, and do their own things to live perfectly before God. But none of this can, can save us. But especially we need to see our own resistance, our own hearts that resist God's grace that comes to save sinners. And how, how we want to always to be able to do something to save ourselves. But isn't it a mercy when finally we have to lay down our weapons and, and cry out for Christ to save us because we realize that we are mortally wounded and there's nothing that we can do to recover. Because there came a time for these soldiers on that battlefield that they had no more choice but to call out for the medic and to allow themselves to be carried off the battlefield out of the line of fire to be lowered down this cliff to safety by the very medic who they made fun of and despised before. And so it is with Christ that there comes a time when we need to lay down our weapons. And as he carries us off the battlefield to safety, the very Christ, the very divine medic who for the earlier part of our life we have despised and rejected, but now need to deliver us. But Christ was determined to deliver sinners by, by continuing this work. Despite the opposition, this soldier, this medic, Desmond, he was not deterred, but he showed his trust in God in the midst of battle. But Christ also was not deterred, but he was determined to deliver sinners by continuing his work as that divine medic. And in verse 32, he says, Go tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. Here he showed he had no fear of man, no fear of death. No earthly powers could prevent him from continuing his work. No hypocrisy could fool him or distract him. But instead, Jesus showed that true fear of God that he taught us about in Luke 12, where he said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that have no more that they can do. But I will show you whom you shall fear. Fear him who, after he has killed has power to cast into hell. So Jesus did not trust in man for help, but he trusted his heavenly Father. But then Jesus continued his work also by casting out devils. He saw beyond all these earthly threats that were facing him and trying to stop him. And he said, I cast out demons. He had no fear of death because he came to destroy death and him who had the power of death, that is the devil, Hebrews 2 says. 
In Genesis 3, God said he'd put enmity between the seed of the woman and the seed of Satan. And there is that war. There will be that war. And Christ would come to defeat Satan. And so he says, go tell that fox, that cunning creature. Tell him why I have come. Desmond was concerned for the lives of each of these soldiers. He knew they had an undying soul. And he came to save their life. But Christ has come to save you from your sins. So that you can enter eternal glory delivered from Satan's power. But in Christ also he continued his work as a divine medic by doing cures. You may recall in the earlier part of this chapter... The Pharisees were trying to stop Jesus from healing on the Sabbath. From, from, they, were, they were filled with indignation when he, when he healed this woman on the Sabbath. But Jesus loosed her from the bonds of her disease to demonstrate how he sets sinners free from the chains of sin. And so he says, I cast out demons and I perform cures. And nothing can stop him from delivering his people from their sins. And from the power of Satan. That's why he said Christ has come to proclaim liberty to the captives. He's determined to save sinners even today. Despite all the opposition that this world brings. And there's a lot and increasing opposition that we see. But Christ is determined to save his people even from the midst of that. And you can imagine the gratitude that these soldiers had as, as Desmond carried these wounded soldiers to safety who risked his life to save theirs. But what a grace and a mercy that Christ never left you to die on this battlefield of sin. Does your heart then also overflow with gratitude to God for, his, for Christ? That he gave his life to deliver you from a certain death. He was determined to rescue you from the enemy's weapons as you lay bleeding to death. Somebody's soldiers had lost their legs and they would have bled to death if they would have stayed there any longer. And if Christ were to leave you in your sins, you would certainly perish. Does your heart not then overflow with gratitude to him? Who gave all for you. And he's that same divine medic today. And if there are those here. Who are still there. On that battlefield. Who are still there. Bleeding to death so to speak. Spiritually. Then call out to him. Because he is still that divine medic. He is still there to carry you to safety. He still delivers sinners from the power of the devil. He still cures you from your sin today. And he still cures wounded soldiers, even the wounded hearts of believers today. What is it that you are facing? What opposition do you face in the world today? This world has so much opposition against us and our children. What fears do we have of what man can do to us? What fear of the government or the increasing opposition and oppression of the freedoms? What fears of death as death draws near? What fears of our own sins that can rise up against us and seek to overpower us and overwhelm us? 
what fears in her own families, what fears of Satan as he lurks around this world as a roaring lion. What pains do we carry? What burdens do we have pressing us to the ground? Here is the divine medic, and he says, lay down your weapons and call upon me in the day of trouble, and I will answer, because nothing can stop him from saving you from whatever it is. And how? Well, because he was determined to finish his father's work, which he gave him to do. And that's our second thought, to finish the work given by his father. In verse 32, the second half, he says, And the third day I shall be perfected. In verse 33, Nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow, and I must journey tomorrow, today, tomorrow, and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. In order to save sinners, Christ had to finish the work his father had committed to him in the covenant of redemption in eternity. This was his mission. And there was an appointed time for Christ to die. He said, the third day I shall be perfected. But that day had not yet arrived. And Jesus said, nevertheless, I must walk today and tomorrow and the day following. He must proceed with his work because that hour was coming, but it was not yet here. And nothing could delay that hour and nothing could speed it up. The Pharisees could not keep him from that hour. Herod not, could, could not kill him before the hour. In fact, Herod would not, not even be the one to kill him. Pilate would be the one to condemn him. And so nothing could thwart God's decree and a sovereign will. And so Jesus must walk today, every day, every moment, every step, every temptation, every enemy that he faced was determined by the will of God. And every step Jesus took served in fulfilling his Father's will in this for the redemption of sinners. And just like every step of Christ was determined, so every step of your life also is directed by God. And that there can not, nothing can happen too soon or too late, but it is in God's perfect hands and will. And just like this soldier, Desmond, he was determined to keep walking back because he, he could not bear to leave one of his soldiers, one of his comrades to die on that battlefield. And this also was a work that the Lord Jesus could not leave undone. He could not deviate one step from it. He must walk today in that perfect obedience to the will of God to fulfill all righteousness. Christ must walk in truth, opposing the hypocrites. He must walk opposing his enemies without fear. He must walk being tempted in all points and yet without sin. He must walk, as Ephesians said, wrestling against flesh and, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. He must walk without sin in this world that is corrupt with sin. Today, tomorrow, and the day following. And then the third day, I shall be perfected, he says. And he was to be perfected to, fu perfected to, be, to fulfill all righteousness. So Christ told these Pharisees to tell Herod the purpose why he had come. That is to die. 
Christ had come to fulfill all righteousness, to, to live a perfect life in a sin-cursed world. When Adam fell into sin, there was no sin in this world. It was a sinless world. But that sin that he committed caused a curse of sin to be brought upon all. But now Christ, he could not sin while he lived in this sin-cursed world. And he must obey for us who can never obey in our own strength. He had to walk under this curse of the law, under the condemnation of the law, under the death penalty of the law. He had to suffer and to bear the reproach of sinners, to bear the rejection of friends, to bear the loss of friends through death, to bear the agony of heart and the misery of seeing the misery of this world that was so engulfed in sin. And he had to walk this path without sin instead of you and me. But then that hour would come when he would be perfected when he would be finished. And that is what he cried out on the cross. It is finished. When the purpose for which he came was accomplished. And then he, would, he perished, the just for the unjust. Jesus would come to that third day. And there his life would end. And the death would be the culmination of all his work of humiliation on this earth. And there the just one would die for the unjust. There Christ who knew no sin would be condemned as a sinner. As 2 Corinthians 5 said, For he made him, for he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so in verse 33 he says, For it cannot be that a prophet should perish outside of Jerusalem. It's not possible. Prophets could not be condemned and executed outside of Jerusalem because the highest court, the Sanhedrin, was in Jerusalem. Only they could condemn someone as a false prophet. It could not occur anywhere else but in the very center and heart of the Jewish religion, the representation of the whole nation's religion. And there the just one would be condemned as the unjust. And there the sinless one will be condemned as the sinner. But Jesus must walk to this end, to this perfection. He must walk as that sinless one to finish this course so that he could take the sins of his people upon himself and be condemned instead of them. And there he would carry those sins to the cross. There he would offer up himself a ransom for sinners as the lamb without blemish and without spot he must because there's no other way to save these sinners Desmond could not stop because there's no other way for those soldiers to be rescued and taken down there's no other way for them to be saved alive and Christ had the absolute determination to finish this work that his father had given him because this was the only way that they could be saved and reconciled to the Father. And that is what he accomplished. And that is what Peter could preach in Acts 2, as we heard this morning, that Christ did die. That he did finish that work. But that God raised him up. 
and made him both Lord and Christ, exalted him to the right hand of God the Father. And there, from there, now he poured out the Holy Spirit on this world to give life to sinners. And nothing in this world could stop him. Not the religious leaders, not the world's leaders, not, not the fear of death, not the people themselves, and not Satan himself. There's nothing that can stop God from giving you the gift of the Holy Spirit that we heard of this morning. Christ, that divine medic, can save you even despite your own sins, despite the opposition that we face in this world, whether it is from friends or from enemies, despite, uh, the, despite our, the opposition that we have even inside of our hearts or what faces us from the outside. And so he says if we do not know him yet, as this divine medic, and then call upon him now so that he can carry you off to his safety. But for those who know him as this divine medic who was so determined to come and to seek you wherever he found you, and wherever you were in your sins, bleeding to death, what a blessing to know that Christ has carried you out when you were mortally wounded. I'm sure those soldiers would have never forgotten what Desmond did for them. But you also will not forget, not not only in this life, but to all eternity to sing the praises to God, the Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then what a comfort to know that our lives, every moment of it, is in God's hands. That as Christ's life could not be be shortened at all by any of his enemies. It could not his death could not have been sped up or postponed. So our lives also are in God's hands. Not a moment too soon, not a moment too late. He has an appointed time, and Christ will perfect his people in glory. Seek him then daily as well. Either for the first time or continually. For he alone can save. Amen.